Hello, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Game of Thrones podcast. I am your host, Carmine of Red Team Review, and I'm joined here once again by the captain of the boat, Danny and John had sex in, Preston Jacobs. Preston? Epic boat sex. Epic boat sex. <laughs> well, guys, welcome back to the Game of Thrones podcast, and today we'll be taking a look at Season 7, Episode 7, The Dragon and the Wolf. As always, we're available on SoundCloud and iTunes, so consider following us on those platforms to get episodes as they are released on your phones and wherever else. And if you do listen to us on iTunes, then please leave us a review. It would help us out a lot. And be sure to leave your thoughts down below on the current episode. We may cover your thoughts in the next podcast episode. Okay, so Preston, mm. my love. Before, yes. The, there's, there's been a game that we've, we've been kind of doing this entire season. So basically, every time an episode comes out, I always ask you, on a scale from 1 to 10, uh, <laughs> what would you give it? Now, now here's the thing. I, I feel like I've gotten good at predicting what you would give the episode, right? Okay. So. I think last episode I gave a 4. Yes, you did. Okay, yeah. so how about this? How about this? Me and the audience are going to play a game. Just take off your headphones, count to 3, and then put them back on, and then I'll let you know. Okay, ready? Take off your headphones right now. Okay. All right, audience, he's going to give it a six, guarantee you. Are you back? Yeah, I'm here. Okay. Go ahead. I, I already told the audience what I think you're going to give it. Go ahead. I I was going to give it another four. What? Holy shit. Yeah. <laughs> I said six. Oh, my God. You give it a four, dude? Really? A four? <sighs> Uh, for different reasons than the last one. This one, it was just, it was so boring. They were killing so much time I through the that, entire yeah. episode. You know, just these panning shots and people staring. The hound, like, putting down a box and slowly preparing. Um, eh, yeah, there's just so much time killing. That's what, that's, uh, that's what really kind of sunk the episode for me, really. Um, like, it didn't need to be an hour and a half. It could have been 30 minutes. Yeah, I I enjoyed the episode. I would give it a seven point five. Um, oh. maybe, maybe I'm just being a little bit more generous than you, but I did enjoy the episode. The reason I don't give it like a nine or a ten, like fucking everybody else, is because there were a couple of nitpicky things that I thought were dumb that kind of added up. Not only that, but uh, uh, shout out to Star Wars Explained on Twitter. He he said he tweeted out to me when I I tweeted out that boat sex wasn't earned, and he tweeted back out to me uh, how. Uh, that makes the most sense. That's the most sentence. That's the sentence that makes the most sense for this entire season. And it is. Like, boat sex was not earned. We've discussed it no. ad nauseum. It's, it's just, it was dumb. Well, I mean, the, the, the number one rule of movie making, show making, is show, don't tell. Mm -hmm. And that was the entire problem with the John and Danny relationship. Other people were saying that they were in love. And even when you got to the wait, point Wait, wait, wait. Where... Which people? I don't remember. T Who said Tyrion, that they were in love? Tyrion told... Tyrion told Danny that, oh, John Jon Snow is in love with you. And then earlier, Davos said, oh, John, you've been staring at Danny's chest. But at no, you know, I didn't really get the what? sense that the yeah, two I didn't either. What the fuck? What are they yeah, saying the, that we're not seeing? Right, right. Because, I mean, they have no sexual chemistry. They share, you know, relatively few scenes together. Mm -hmm. I mean, they they argue together. Then he, John asks for the dragon glass, or she gives him the dragon glass. They look at the, the cave drawings, and then she lands with her dragon, and they get interrupted by Jorah. And then she saves them north of the wall. Or no, then they say goodbye, and they're already, like, sweet on each other when they say goodbye. And then she saves them north of the wall, and he's, like, passed out, and they have their handhold. They handhold. 
and then they then they he hands her a, a, a dragon bone <laughs> and then and then they're they're having then they're having boat sex well then they agree to have boat sex and then they have boat sex yeah i just yeah i mean i guess there were enough scenes i just think that they would if they had the, the topic of their scenes be a little different they just didn't seem to connect on, on any level well, this episode did give us a lot of firsts. I said in my review how this is the first time. It was weird for me because we've never seen Theon in King's Landing. We've never seen Jon mm. in King's Landing. We've never yeah. seen... I don't think we've ever seen Davos in King's Landing, have we? I mean, besides the Battle of the Blackwater. Like, nah, he never know. stepped foot on, the, on, on on King's Landing, ever, before, uh, I mean, like, yeah, this he, season. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, other Even, than being in the boat near it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And you know what else is weird that I, that I thought? Because I, I just finished watching your review a while ago. Uh, I noticed something that you even missed. Where was Gendry? Yeah, Gendry just disappeared. Yeah, he, um, he doesn't even come back. <laughs> it it was kind of interesting that um, the East Watch was so was was fuller than it was when John arrived. Mm. Like all of a sudden, it looked like the Wildlings were there. Maybe the Brotherhood without banners was there. The missing Brotherhood. Um, but there's definitely more people than the first time they went, where, where it was just kind of deserted. But I mean, I guess Tormund and and Beric are dead, or they killed them off screen, or or they're leaving it open. I don't know. They're probably leaving it open. Maybe have Tormund and Beric. Maybe Be- this is how Beric dies. He tries to give a uh, Tormund an opening to go back and warn everybody. Yeah, I mean, that was a pretty big avalanche. I don't know how anyone would survive that, but. All right. Well, but, we're, we're jumping yeah. all over the place. Okay. Let's, okay. Okay. Let's settle down with the meeting, the 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 Dragon Pit meeting. So. You didn't okay. like the Dragon Pit meeting. I thought it was one of the better parts of the episode. I, I didn't mind it, but there were a couple of things that were very dumb, which you pointed out that I kind of glossed over because I was just waiting for it to talk about it here. So the first <laughs> thing is, you're right about... Last last episode, there was something we discussed briefly about how it's almost as though every other season before this one doesn't matter or count or nobody remembers yeah. it. Right, yeah. so Missandei being dumb about dragons and, and and asking about the point of the dragon pit—that was fucking stupid. They were trying to give her a line. They were trying to. So Missandei is is all of a sudden this this the the, you know a lot of show, a lot of movies they need the outsider who's there so that people can do exposition so mm-hmm. that the the show you know the the show watcher has somebody to relate to. So she's sitting there asking about Jon Snow's name, you know, him being a bastard, as if. We haven't watched seven seasons of this. Yeah, that, John that, 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 whole, bastard. that whole relate to like that's that's something you do for seasons one, two, and maybe three. You don't do it for season seven. Yeah, uh, I guess I guess they still think they're getting new watchers or something in season seven. But it, I guess you know, so it's the same thing here with the dragon pit. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, they needed some. They needed to explain it to somebody, and so they're like, "Well, Miss Sandy doesn't have any lines. She seems to be the best person to do it." But uh, that's the dumbest thing that like that's the dumbest thing they could have given her. Ask about why <laughs> dragons need like a place to call their own. Well, you know why. I mean, season four, dude, you were there. Right, you had a dragon pit in Marine. Right. I mean, it it probably would have worked better with Pod. I think maybe Pod should have asked about it or something. You know, because he didn't have any lines either, or not many. So I wanted to briefly discuss Cersei's Queensguard. I'm a little torn on them this season. Uh, mm. in, in your review, you mentioned how they don't move in to protect their queen when she's threatened. But I guess the argument for that is that the Mountain is the main Queensguard guy who does everything. 
I guess the others are just there for backup. But the Queen's Guard this season, I'm torn on. I, I love their outfits. It's unique, yeah. and it keeps to the tradition that every family who has ruled has their own style for it. Targaryens had that silver, Baratheons had the gold, and now the Lannisters have the black. It's fine. I like it, but it does seem like Cersei went to the tailor and told them to suit up all of her team with the most evil-looking outfits they have. Right. I mean, yeah, it, she, it is kind of weird that she's wearing black because she's evil and, you know, she's transitioned to that. Transitioned to that. I mean, the Kingsguard, it's funny because it's become a running joke. The Kingsguard and the Queensguard, they're, they're so incompetent that them not protecting Cersei is actually consistent with all the other seasons. Right, because I mean, they let Joffrey die, they let Tywin die. Uh, they, you know, they're 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 just incredibly incompetent. They they let Tommen die. Um, I, I suppose no, nobody. I don't know what happened to the. Did they send a Kingsguard in the show with Marcella? Because you know, yes, she, at first on season two, you can if you look carefully, you can you can see a Kingsguard on the boat with her. But I, I oh, guess yeah. he just went to escort her and brought her back. Uh, he, no, 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 no. He went to escort her, and then he came back by himself. So, Sir so Aerys Okart somehow came back, and that was pretty incompetent. So, mm-hmm. you know, I'll give them a pass. They're consistent. <laughs> but they just can't. They can't protect any of their monarchs. Yeah. What's kind of funny is that is so they did mention Sir Preston Greenfield, which of course I remember because his, his first name is my name, mm-hmm. and so. I am, they never showed him die, so I assume that like Sir Preston Greenfield is still alive and still in the Kingsguard. Oh, jeez, I was looking something up and a video a video started. Uh, <laughs> but uh, but right, I mean cer- certainly these Kingsguard must still be around. It's like it's like what happened to Danny's Blood Riders. Like we don't we don't. Uh, they all got killed. When? Uh, during season two. No, 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 no. They they made it to Karth. They were in Karth. No, yeah, but by the time she made it to Karth, like any of the named blood riders, they were all dead. There, no. There's two guys that still had names. Oh, really? Uh, so, re- so remember, so remember in the uh, in the uh, so she has three bro- three blood riders, and she sends them in three different directions mm-hmm. to try to to try to get out of the red waste. One guy uh, comes back with his head cut off. The other two survive. And they're her blood riders. They're her main blood riders in um, in Karth, and then they just disappear after that. Like once you arrive in Slaver's Bay, her blood riders just kind of disappear from the story. It, it, it would be it would you know it would be nice. I don't know why you know they they couldn't get these these actors back or something like why like they hired new Dothraki number three or whatever to to walk around. Like why not hire the old blood riders and you know have them be there all. Just be like, oh, where have you been? Uh, around. Did you ever see the last episode of Boy Meets World? I feel like the only reason you asked me that question is because I would be young enough to have seen it. <laughs> I've never seen it, but apparently the last episode of Boy Meets World is really hilarious because there's one character that was that just kind of disappeared early seasons on. Mm-hmm. And then they're, then they're in graduation and all of a sudden the character's there and they're like, what are you doing here? And he's like, I've always been here. What are you talking about? <laughs> It's just that the plot never centered around him anymore. He's like, I've just been around, you know, like, oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) See, I like that. At least that would be a nice, like, fully aware thing for Game of Thrones to do, but we know they won't do it. They like to pretend certain characters don't exist anymore. Yeah, that's true. So 
And the other thing that I was really confused about, and this is something that we were also confused about with episode six, and many people were confused about it as well, not just you and me, was the whole thing about whites being killed by dragonglass. Oh, yeah. Like, like I know you hate this, but the theory here is that the reasons the white... This this completely... Sh- what happened in episode seven shits on this theory. The, re- mm. the theory here is that the reason the whites were taken out by the dragonglass before was that the Night King allowed it to be a thing for his master plan to work. Yeah, yeah, sounds like sounds like uh, some wishful thinking, some honey, you know, honey, honey potting, potting <laughs> honey potting, as as the fundamentals would say. Yeah, the, uh, um, yeah, it's they don't have any logic to it. But I mean, now they've kind of firmly established that that the uh, the dragon glass kills them. But mm-hmm. yeah, we saw we saw John. St- I mean, unless you want to say, oh, dragon steel works differently from dragon glass, but John stabbed people with his with his. Valyrian sword and or whites and they didn't die so it wasn't a thing and now it is a thing um i guess they i guess they thought that the the white army was too overpowered and so now they want they want the the living well, that's, to have that's a little, the point uh, of them though yeah they're not just zombies they're you know more than that right whatever the hmm. one thing i was looking forward to seeing during the whole meeting thing which if if the meet if this meeting thing is a thing in the books, you can guarantee that you know everybody will attend it. But I was looking forward to seeing some representatives of Dorne, the Stormlands, the Riverlands, and even the Vale there. But of course, nah. but to just to play devil's <laughs> just to play devil's advocate, I guess you could argue that you know the reach. Do you, do you think Rob and Aaron is ever coming back? Yeah, last season, of course they have to. You Otherwise, th- you think they're gonna bring him back last season? Yeah, God, yeah, yeah, of course. What about Edmure Tully? Oh, you think he's ever coming? They back? better bring back like. They better bring back so many fucking people. Like, they better bring back literally everybody who could possibly still be alive. They better bring back Edmure Tully. They better bring back Edmure Tully's wife, I guess, hopefully. They better bring back, like, Sam's mom and his uh, sister. They better bring back everybody who hasn't, you know, died yet for it to actually make fucking sense. All right. I don't think it's going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's the... Okay, I would say that Robin Aaron, I'm going to give a 50% chance of him returning. I would say that Edmure Tully has like a 25% chance of returning. Really? Because they've already screwed it up. Like, he was supposed to be a Casterly Rock, and he wasn't. You know, so... Well, someone in someone in my comment section said, well, what if Edmure Tully is still like in the Twins? I guess. I mean, Arya just left him there? Okay. Well, maybe she didn't know. But, I mean, it goes against, like, Jamie said he was going to go to Castle Rock. Right. It's fine. Maybe, maybe you know, maybe... Well, maybe Jamie mind, moved but... him somewhere else. So, because they were aware that the Castle Rock was going to get attacked. Right. It's it's a little... It's all a little weird, considering that the Dornish army has not been in a, in a single battle, so that they, they are a fresh army. Mm-hmm. So, everybody should be saying, oh, man, we really need the Dornish. But... It's not going to happen. The Dornish are never going to appear. Well, let me play devil's advocate for a bit here. I guess you could argue that the Reach, the Riverlands, and Dorne are without a ruler. You know, so each house can remain, because because each house has decided to remain, like, neutral in Mm. any conflict regarding Cersei, the Northern Vale Alliance, and Danny. Um, The Stormlands, I guess, are under Cersei's control. And I guess the argument here for why nobody else showed, showed up is that they're staying out of it to see what happens and who comes out on top. Also, because winter is coming, they don't want to waste time on meetings that, you know, that 
could get one of them killed right. or whatever. So remaining neutral until I, winter is over. I, li- I like how in this episode, Cersei calls all of her banners. Like she only called son of. <laughs> We're going to get to that. <laughs> okay, okay, but okay. like, I, I guess, I guess like, like they're one they want to remain neutral until winter is over because like, that seems like the best bet. But, th- but then again, they could have cleared up this whole situation with a scene that takes like less than 30 seconds, you know? Are the other high lords of Westeros attending? They've decided to remain neutral, my lady. Like, you could just yeah, or 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 Cersei just say I represent all of them. Mm-hmm. You know, which would like, show how how much of a douche she kind of is. Right. I mean, it could have been done pretty easily. Mm-hmm. Where 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 are the Stormlanders and and Riverlanders? I represent them. Oh oh okay. And 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 like you just said, so have has Cersei been using the like the Lannister army from like Casterly Rock the entire time, like. It's tough to say. It's very clear that they take other people and put them in Lannister garb when they, when they, like, right, weren't Tarly forces in Lannister? I mean, were there Tarly forces there or is it just, um, you know, during the battle, and... during that spoils, uh, spoils of war battle, you could see, you could clearly see some Tarly soldiers, like, in their own gear, not in Lannister armor. Really? Mm-hmm. They had like they had made some Tarly gear. Yeah, last season when uh uh Sam was heading over there, you could see some Tarly soldiers in their own gear. Yeah. Huh. All right. But I I'm glad that this is like a consistent thing now that each house has like their own banners. I guess you could argue that the Lannisters have so much money or maybe forces loyal to them that they were still holding on to, you know, their own forces from their own house. But when she calls the banners, I was a little surprised. I'm like, oh, we haven't seen Lannister generals from other houses in, what, since season two? Yeah, since season yeah, two. Yeah, since season two. Like, from the, uh, I, I, I want to say we saw him in season one. I don't even know if we saw him in season two. We saw him at the end of season one, mm-hmm. right, with, the, with Tywin's War Council. Yeah. But that's about, I mean, unless you're ca- counting Amory Lorch and... Stuff like that in season two, I suppose. But but the whole meeting, the whole dragon pit meeting, you didn't like how Danny entered. You didn't like that, did you? Well, it <laughs> like I say they were they were they were pretending like we hadn't seen this before. Like I'm not I'm not thrilled to see a dragon anymore, so I don't need the awe inspiring music. Right. Um. You know, the hound was was gearing up to this reveal of this white, and yeah, we saw the white already. So it, it was it was it was a bit odd um, to have all of this anticipation for something that we've already seen. I guess they were trying to build up tension to it. I guess. Yeah. Like, what if the white like didn't reanimate because he was so right? Far but he'd from already knocked on the on the crate. And That's right. So. Yeah. So. So I don't know. I don't know what they're. I mean, they clearly, they clearly had a thing where they're like, okay, script wise, let's just have a scene where everybody's together. It's gonna be awesome. So then they. They get all the actors together, and then they kind of say, "Well, okay, well, what are we gonna, what are we gonna have them say to each other?" And they they didn't really have very much to say to each other. Well, Euron had you know? a lot to say. Euron, Euron was, Euron was the most interesting part. Really, Grant, but you liked Euron. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I thought it was clever. I thought it was a clever little uh, trick that Euron would say, "Ah, I'm getting out of here," and then he's not. Mm-hmm. You know, I I liked that. He's gonna um, go uh, get the Golden Company, and Theon's gonna intercept him. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what he's going to do after that. I, uh, you know, I don't know how, if they, uh, if they own the sea, what's, you know, what else can be done? That, that's uh, against... how you know he's going to die next season because what else can they do with him? <laughs> what else can they do with mm-hmm. him, like Littlefinger? 
Um, but I thought I thought it was a little clever. I, I, I I've been enjoying Euron the whole season. Some people some people talk a lot of trash about him, but and think he's cartoonish. But what? Really? I frankly, yeah, yeah. But I I've enjoyed him the whole season. I wish there was more of him. He's not. He, he he's 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 not cartoonish. He's basically Ramsey with a boat and an eye patch, kind of. Yeah, that's true. But the dragon pit meeting, I, I thought it was all right. I, I feel like they were trying to go for some nice tension. What they could have done was on the boat right there, like the hound knocks on the thing and he doesn't hear anything. And uh, he mm. opens up the crate and he finds the white is not, you know, coming after him. So he goes and he tries to talk to Tyrion like, it's not moving. What do you mean it's not moving? It's not like it, it would be like a nice little comedic thing. I would have done it like that, you know, yeah. where where he, they they, they want to show, like, this dead man coming back to life, but maybe because they're so far from the wall that Night King's magic or whatever else, whatever he's using to reanimate him, maybe it's just not working because they're so far out. I mean, that would be an interesting thing if, like... I mean, you're right that if they did, did the scene, like, they, they he pushes over the box, then it's just a dead body. Yeah. And everyone's like, what? And then they walk over to the dead body and he jumps up. You know, that would be kind of it. I mean, I guess they, I guess they attempted that with the, you know, with the kick over of the box and mm-hmm. then him suddenly running. Um, maybe it was too many. Maybe my problem with the uh, with the scene was too many cooks. Um, they uh, too many cooks. Too, Does anybody really know that reference? Too many cooks. Yeah, too many, too many, many cooks. cooks. <laughs> but I, I think that you had what you really wanted was a scene where Danny. And Tyrion and Cersei and Jon were having a conversation, um, and then everybody else is kind of just there. Um, I mean, poor Brienne and Pod. Like they did this two thousand mile trip down to the capital. Pod has one line to to Tyrion about uh, how he he's glad he's not dead, and then Brienne has a couple. He, she talks to the Hound briefly and tells tells Jamie to go uh, talk to Cersei, and then they got to walk all the way back. <laughs> you know, and then or Miss Sandy sails all the way there, asks about a dragon pit, sails all the way back. Jorah explains to Miss Sandy the dragon pit, <laughs> like why were they even there? Oh, that's right. <laughs> Previous seasons don't matter. I keep forgetting about that. Yeah, but uh, I I did like the dragon the dragon pit meeting. It could have been better in some places. They they, they clearly try putting some tension in there, especially with the hound mm. in the mountain. Which uh, that yeah. game bull tease though. Mm. Yeah, I mean, clearly, they get, I mean, they're going to give the fans what they want. It's sort of like the complaining about Gendry. Where's Gendry? Okay, well, we've got to bring Gendry back. Well, everyone's now been forcing Clegane Bowl that I think it's it's going to happen. Yes. But, they, but, they, but it was already hyped up in season one when they had that brief uh, exchange. Yeah, I mean, they, they fought in season one. Mm-hmm. There, there, was a, there was a Clegane Bowl. Um, do you think we should have Gendry back though? Like, do you think we should have Quaith back? Do, do you think we should even go for Clegane Bowl? Do you think the show works best when they stop giving the fans what they want? I think Gendry will return because I think they need to have a. I think they need to have a Gendry Arya talk, one last talk, um, and then they can kill him. <laughs> but uh, Quaith, I don't think they'll ever bring Quaith back, which is sad. I, you know, the. Um, I do think Melisandre will be back. I th- oh, yeah, you know? she was so, gone for most of the season. Yeah, and I think she'll show up maybe with, um, you know, R'hllor followers who will all of a sudden want to fight in the war, you know, at some point. 
Yeah, but at the same time, though, it's so, so like so basically, we're doing. You've never, you probably never played the game, but have, hmm. have you ever played the game Mass Effect? No, right? No, no. Okay, so basically, Mass Effect is you're like you're Captain Kirk, but cooler. And throughout the first two Mass Effect game, Mass Effect games, you're basically building your own, you know, meeting people, meeting friends, making alliances, blah blah blah. Because there's a big threat. There's giant space robots who are going to come and kill everyone in the galaxy. And by the third Mass Effect game, it all comes, you know, full circle because all of those alliances and friends you've made, they're all going to come back to help you. Everybody you've met is going to fight alongside you. Oh, and and, that, oh, and that's yeah. what it's really starting to feel like. Like Everybody we've met, everybody we've come across, everybody who's, whose name was spoken, they're all going to be here. And I don't know how to, I really feel about that. I mean, I, I, do I want to see the Dornish up north fighting with the Starks? Not really. Yeah, and I doubt we'll see any Dornish. But yeah, I'm just thinking that, you know, the one, I guess the one, there, there's two Essos plots that are that are still unresolved, and that's the Iron Bank and the R'hllor followers. Mm-hmm. And they did seed enough of the R'hllor follower stuff that really it needs to, they need to come back into the story. So I think Melisandre is going to bring some some forces, you know. Mm-hmm. Um so I think at least that's going to be there. But uh, do, I don't think the Dornish will ever appear ever again. So it's done. The Dragon the dragon Pit meeting, did you enjoy the whole thing besides those little nitpicks you said in your review? I mean, it was, it was obviously like, I mean, I thought they were killing time. But yeah, it, you know, obviously it's, it's, it's still neat to see all the characters together. They were, they were going for that. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I do think that there was a downside to that, and that is, um, you know, too many cooks. Uh, they they used to do this thing um, for the Super Bowl, where they would they would book like seven different acts, and then they would all play like one third of a song, and then they'd all appear on stage together. and And I never really liked that. I was like, let one person shine. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't need everything. Everything can't be as awesome as re- we are the world. You know, mm-hmm. we, we are the world works um, one because it's a catchy song. Uh, and, but, you know, you don't you don't need to have everybody in one place because they can't all shine. Um, you know, so, I mean, Theon, Theon's there. Everybody's there. Miss Sandy. Ugh, Funny enough, doing Robin Aaron wasn't there, but Theon, Theon had to be there because, you know, of course, Theon had to be there. like like Bronn. Did you notice how it's, like, so apparent that the, the actor for Braun and the actress for Cersei... Like, do you know how it's so apparent that they hate each oh, other? That yeah. they can't be in the same fucking room? Because they're exes, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, how he says, oh, leave the important people to talk. <laughs> you're, you're leaving Missandei behind there? You're leaving... You're leaving pa- oh, I guess Pod didn't get to go, but why? I guess Brienne is Sansa's representative... Theon for the Iron Islands, but nobody for the Vale... Reach, Stormlands or Dorne. I feel like the showrunners uh. think the the viewers are kind of dumb. I mean, their job is to make this show for the average Joe Schmo, and the average Game of Thrones viewer does not watch YouTube videos. The average Game of Thrones viewer does not come on and look up you know theories about who Jon Snow's no, mom yeah. could be. They don't do that. The average Joe Schmo watches Game of Thrones, gets hyped, talks about it at the office Monday, Tuesday, maybe Wednesday, and doesn't think about it until next Sunday. Until next Sunday comes around. So. The average Joe Schmo probably doesn't care who rules the Stormlands, the Reach, whatever. But 
to the fans, the diehard fans who actually go out of their way to buy the DVDs and the t-shirts and all that, you know, the ones who do look up the YouTube videos, they should probably answer these questions for them. <laughs> it's funny because I, I, so at work, everybody knows me as, you know, the rumors go around like, oh man, like Preston Jacobs is this, is this uh, Game of Thrones guy. And so every once, you know, every once in a while, like somebody comes into the office and then is like, and, and, and they, they say, oh, you know, you're the Game of Thrones guy. And it'll, it'll be a casual. And they'll be like, oh, what'd you think of the episode? And I'll be like, ah, oh, because you don't, I don't want to trash it to this person mm -hmm. who's clearly like a casual fan. So I'm like, oh, yeah, no, it was, it was great. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and they're like, yeah, I thought, thought this and this was really cool. And I'll be like, and then I'd, I'll like throw in one thing that doesn't make sense to see how they react. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, yeah, what'd you think of, uh, you know, the scuba zombies. And they're like, yeah. and then, but it's funny because I want to see how the casual reacts. And they'll be like, yeah, that was a little weird that they were able to get down to those. Yeah, and then maybe like, yeah, where did those chains come from? <laughs> like, like. <laughs> so, I mean, even casuals are aware of these things, yeah. but, they, but they're willing to ignore them. Like, it's not as important. Like, they, they notice them. They know, they know it's an inconsistency, but they don't really it's not that big of a deal to them. Mm -hmm. They don't obsess about it like we do. <laughs> it's, it's not a deal breaker. You know, the one thing, uh, we're going to get off a little, little topic here. The, the one thing I was, I was discussing with a couple other YouTubers, um, why a lot of Game of Thrones, well, not a lot, like me, you, and maybe one other person, why we don't like certain things with the show. And the reason is, is because the show never has any mystery. I mean, even, even... Mm. I was talking to a friend of mine, she's a casual, and she was telling me how, you know, because she, she was trying to act like she read the book, she didn't. So yeah, what do you think about the theory that Ashra Dane is actually John's Dude, you never read the books. Where'd you get that from? I saw a video on it. The show never really gives the, the, the whole aura of mystery around it like the books do. In the books, yeah. there's there is a debate of whether Jon Snow's mom really is Lyanna more uh, Lyanna <laughs> more mom, Lyanna Stark or Asher Dane <laughs> or you know uh, like right, who right. Cold Hands is is it Benjen? But the Children of the Forest said this, so could it really be Benjen? Like, but there's no aura of mystery in the show, and that's the one thing I would say it's missing. Like we're at the end of season seven, maybe this eighth season might come in 2019. Who knows? But that's the one yeah. thing I know for a fact that you hate about it. And low-key complained about it is that there's no aura of mystery. There's no thought behind challenging the viewer, the casuals, how to really. Yeah, look I at mean, it. there's no, there's no shock anymore. We we all like plot armor. All of a sudden, came in the middle of season four. Right? Season four, like, I would say season five, but okay. Yeah, yeah, season. I mean, when they went off book, mm -hmm. right? I think people were very shocked that Ober and Martell died, um, but. Because they really did build it up like Oberyn was going to win. Um, but after that, yeah, every, everybody everybody died. John died, but he came back and everybody knew he was coming back. But um, yeah, we, nothing nothing was a surprise. No one, I don't know anyone that thought that Arya was going to die. Mm -hmm. You know, with or without And that's why you've been uh, championing that the entire time. The entire season you've been wanting Arya to die. Uh, that's what you've been wanting oh, the would, entire would, time. Would have been, been incredible. Would have been incredible. <laughs> or I just had some other things, you know, like... You know, I, you know, my idea, like if, if pod were a little finger agent, mm -hmm. 
and he like kills Brienne. Like that would have been something where. But that wouldn't make any like, sense oh though. Like like he was a little finger agent for all of these seasons, and and just now right. he decides to go up against uh, Brienne, just stab her in the back yeah. randomly for no reason. No, no. I mean, come up with a reason, but you know, she 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 threatens to expose Littlefinger mm-hmm. and. And then he kills her, something like that. And then he's he's been secretly a great fighter this entire time, and he's been losing to her <laughs> in like training sessions, yeah. like getting his butt kicked like constantly. Mm-hmm. And then he he's actually like this incredible fighter. <laughs> that would be hilarious. So the best part about the dragon pits, dragon pit stuff. The the best part about the dragon pit stuff, I'm sure you would argue, is uh, Tyrion and Cersei. That was great. Uh, I mean, yeah. When they go back to when they go back to the office mm-hmm. and, and and start talking, yeah. I mean, both of them, both of them are incredible actors, and so it 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 came it it came together pretty well. I don't have many complaints about that actually. The um, uh, and you almost get the fact that like what what the two characters just really needed was to let it all out in a in a you room know? together alone. Yeah, you know, like it. I'll grant it was done kind of well. Where you know how you have you know you have an argument with with your girlfriend or something, and you just you're both angry about something, but all you needed to do is really express how you're angry to each mm-hmm. other, and then after that, it's not solved, but you're you're at a bet you're at a you're at more of an understanding, and that helps because both people were able to scream at each other, right? Um, and that's what that's that's what worked about that scene is both of them. I mean, yeah, it didn't make sense that Cersei was saying that Tyrion killed her kids, but behind it all, and, and I think Lita Headey did this. It didn't matter if it made sense. She was expressing that she had sorrow over the fact that her kids right. died and that her father died, mm-hmm. and it was all of the logic didn't matter. What was important was. You weren't here. You abandoned us. You left us alone. All of our kids died. It's been horrible. You know, this is what I've been through. That's what she was trying to communicate. Um, and, you know, I do think I do think that scene worked. Um, maybe just because the actors are so good. I don't know. Like, I, none of the I, would, I would argue against sense. you that her blaming Tyrion for, for uh, Tom and Marcella's death makes actual perfect sense to, uh, to someone like her. Because you know it, we've all we've all had that. Even if you haven't expressed it openly, we've all had that that one thought in our head. Well, I wouldn't have this if it wasn't like I wouldn't have. Uh, for example, I remember I remember someone on Reddit uh, a while ago was blaming their own mother for why they were having uh, diabetes because their own mother would oh. never stop them from drinking soda. But you're 30 years old. Yeah. I mean, you can't. Can you really blame blame your mother? Like. Like it's it's one of those things. I I don't I don't know what's I'm sure there's a word for it. Where you... I'll grant I'll grant I mean I'll grant you mm-hmm. that. Yeah, it does make sense. But um, Tyrion just accepting it probably is the thing that didn't make sense. But he kind of just maybe he was just know, accepting yeah. it to just let her let her have that one. You got to pick your battles. Yeah. Right now that scene is interesting because they cut it off at the end and all of a sudden they're cool and a lot of people are discussing what happened at the end of that conversation. And I don't know if the writers have already, I mean, granted, maybe they've already written the scripts for, for season eight. I don't think so. You know, I think the writers were leaving it open. Mm -hmm. Like, well, we haven't decided 
if Cersei and Tyrion have a conspiracy going. We haven't decided how it all came together. We're gonna we're gonna we we, we won't paint ourselves into a corner. We're gonna leave this open. But here's the thing, though. They 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 left they left it open fine, and it's a nice it's a good thing that they left it open because throughout this season we've had some friction between Tyrion and Danny. We mm. had like yes. remember the whole thing. Yes, I, she doesn't listen to me. You've got to find a way to make her listen. Like you you've had this I mean, these moments between her like you know when right in episode six when he's talking about the successor and she doesn't want to talk about it and episode four. Where he's like, uh, where she gets mad at him because, you know, he's telling her to do this and that and all his plans have failed. Yeah. So, yeah, that friction is there. They did a good job with that. I and, and it's funny because a lot of people have been complaining about Tyrion's uh, uh, <laughs> dwarf-splaining. Like, why is he leading the conversation constantly when, when, when Daenerys is the, the queen? Why, does, why is he taking the mic at the dragon pit? Why, why does he like have the plan for uh, attacking Westeros um, when he's the least uh, experienced militarily? Because um, he's been all over the place. He travels. No, I think if I were going to make an argument for it, it's what during season two when he was hand, and and project, perhaps I'm projecting Book Tyrion into this. Book Tyrion loved being hand. He lo- he was intoxicated by the power. He wasn't good at it, but. He loved, he thought he was good at it, and he loved the power. Mm-hmm. And his resentment for his father is, part of that resentment for his father is that his father came back and took it from him. Um, and so I see perhaps what they're doing with Tyrion here is that he wants to rule the world like Tyrion wants, like Tywin wants to rule the world. Like Tywin had all of this power as hand. And he wanted to regain that power as hand. He was he was running the country under under Ares, and then he wanted to do it again under Joffrey and Tommen. But you know, and so I think Tyrion is is that same situation. He has all the power as hand, and he wants to control Danny. Um, and they kind of put that out I, there. All all he needed to do was basically had. You're right. In the books, they make it clear, but in the show, they don't make it clear that Tyrion really enjoyed being hand. So just basically yeah. have that scene where he and Varys are talking, where he admits to Varys, "I liked being hand. It was quite intoxicating." Right. See, a lot of these things, a lot of our, a lot of our, the issues you and I have with the show is basically we don't yeah. really know what the characters are feeling because they just waste time on stupid dialogue instead of actually telling us how they feel about certain things. I know a lot about Cox. That's what I'll tell you. <laughs> I know a lot about Westerosi Cox. Um, but yeah, so a lot of people were reading into it, like, what does Tyrion's stare mean at the oh, end that when one, he sees yeah. Jon Snow walk, watch in? And if I were really going to say, like, what I think he's feeling is, oh, God, Jon Snow's taking away my power. Right? Like, I want to rule the world. And Jon Snow, if, if he's sitting there advising Danny. Me and you know Varys and I can't be advising Danny. If that's how I would read it, I don't know how to read it. I don't. I don't because there's so many different ways to it. I'm I'm trying to just pick one. I just but it just doesn't seem right. Like, what if he is power hungry and Jon Snow is stealing it? But at the same time, that's not really in his character in the show. I mean, you're right. Well, at least it hasn't been his character for a while. Um, you know, now he's been talking about democracy and 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 helping poor people and breaking the mm-hmm. rule um so yeah it's a little weird 
but at the same time it would it would start to make sense on why he's why he needs to to dwarf splain and take control all the time you know or like one could argue that's the reason why he sent jorah away you know let's let's move on mm. to winterfell and the atrocity that was winterfell <laughs> I, you know what i get to be mad at this because he is my favorite character and i yeah. I, I hate what they did to him. So, so in case you, you probably didn't hear about this, but there was a deleted scene that we already have our first mm. deleted scene for Game of Thrones where Sansa, after she has her conversation with Littlefinger, goes to Bran and talks to Bran about it. So you your yeah. one uh, annoyance with, with that, that whole Winterfell thing was how Bran came out of nowhere to help them. He was the, what was it, what well, you call it, deus ex machina? Is that what you called it? Yeah, it's, 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 yeah, it's definitely a deus ex machina. But she went to him. Deus ex machina. She went, there was, this was supposed to be a scene there, but I guess they wanted to really surprise the audience. It was supposed to be a scene there yeah. that where Sansa goes to Bran and they discuss it briefly. I made the joke that Bran finally got his copy of season one, rightly so. Mm-hmm. And um, look, I, I, I'll say this. You you argue that Bronze Jan Royce, how it didn't make any sense that he was completely okay with it. Yeah, she's a liar, but he, Bronze Jan yeah. hates Littlefinger, so I guess he's willing to overlook the death. No, I'm not saying I'm not saying that it's ill. Uh, I mean, what's illogical is that Littlefinger didn't have a plan, mm-hmm. which is ridiculous, because um, he should have a contingency plan for all, for all of those things. It's look, I, I could totally see Bronze Jan turning on Littlefinger. I could totally see Bran spilling the beans all of that's logical i think what i don't like is it's not a very good arc for sansa because it's trying to make her look clever when it's not like it's just brand saving her it's brand presenting her with all of the information so it's not her coming into her own which is what we've been waiting for for sansa for oh god yeah that's what i've wanted for sansa the entire time what was the point of her character right that she's gonna come so they're faking this oh she's coming into her own no no it's not you've you've just handed her all of the information at once and then aria with her shit eating shit eating grin like they've they've you know one up to littlefinger well when you have an omniscient character provide you all of the shit like yeah, you can one up somebody, but you—they're not—they be, weren't being clever. They weren't out little. What, what what we wanted was them out little fingering little finger, right? You know that would have been satisfying, but they didn't. They just had it handed to well, them. Well, like I said, just 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 to argue against you, just just to play it, you could argue yeah. that despite him saving Sansa from Lysa's craziness and from you know uh-huh. King's Landing, that Sansa is just playing the game. Using Littlefinger for when he's useful, and when he's not, she's tossing him aside. I guess she's being a player. But the only real evidence against Littlefinger is him betraying Ned, which is more than half of the characters there that witnessed it are still alive. Like, the way you could have yeah. you could have done it was, like, have Cersei send Sansa a letter. And then Sansa reads it, and she's like, she disregards it because it's fucking Cersei, and she wants to split them apart. Yeah. Fine. But then the Hound and Varys were there as well, and they're still alive. The way I would have done it is, like, have Cersei send the letter to Sansa, specifically telling her Littlefinger betraying Ned, with Sansa disregarding it because it's Cersei, and then have the Hound, who has protected Sansa before, come in and back it up. And then, maybe later on, if Varys takes a trip to Winterfell or whatever, she can corroborate it with Varys too, and then you have three different sources all saying the same thing, because the Hound is neutral in this conflict. He left. Arya yeah, can yeah. back that up, and so can Brienne. Um, and then you have Cersei, the opposition, and then you have Varys, who is on the side of your, who is an ally essentially. 
So that's how you would get him. But, like, the whole the whole thing of him about... What did they get him with? Lying about the dagger? That was the last one. I mean, they, they apparently got him on, on, like, seven different things. So they, they called him out Treason. on... Treason. Like, who is he really, like... They called they, they called him out on Ned's coup. They called him out on murdering Lysa. They called him out on which you know Sansing knew. They called him out on John Aaron, on murdering John Aaron. They called him out on sending the letter to to Catelyn. Uh, they called him out on the dagger. Um, and they called him out on uh, giving her to Ramsay. Well, okay. Well, all of those can be defended except for the, except for him betraying Ned. That's the only reason they should have killed him was for him betraying Ned. The dagger thing, like they can't really prove that he gave that dagger to some random cat's paw to kill Bran. Like there's, there's nothing there. Right. They're, they're getting him on lying to Catelyn of that, like, like framing mm-hmm. Tyrion is essentially what they're getting him on. I mean, I don't know what they were going for. Like, I don't know if they're saying that, Littlefinger sent the cat's paw in the show or not. Um, I think it's best I, just I to we'll leave it open. I think I honestly think it's best just to leave the cat's paw assassin thing completely open. I mean, I guess, I mean, if I were a regular viewer, like if I were a casual, I would have to assume that Cersei sent it. That Littlefinger. Well, no, at this point, I'd have to assume it was Littlefinger because it was his dagger, right? So it must be. Why else? Why else would a random cat's ball have Littlefinger's dagger? Because there is no, there is no him losing it to Robert Baratheon and Joffrey and any of that. So, I guess they're just. I guess the show is saying that he sent the cat's ball to kill Bran, which is pretty freaking serious. But I don't know how you can possibly defend that if if Littlefinger were the culprit. But I mean, I could. I think there is a defense for Littlefinger betraying Ned and that is I did what I did to survive you know in King's Landing like Joffrey was the king um I mean that's what Varys said right on on his stuff exactly that that that's his explanation to Danny but the whole thing of uh of uh Littlefinger going down it was just so dumb like the whole thing about was Sansa even there was Sansa even there when Lysa uh, admitted to poisoning poisoning John Aaron on his not in the show. Yeah, exactly. If she was the yeah. second time, I don't remember. Because the first time, it's when they first meet. And then, like, right away she says it, which was dumb. And then I think the second yeah. time would have probably been after she tries to throw Sansa out the moon door. I don't remember. I thought it was so stupid. I've forgotten it completely. But goddamn, Carsetti, he is... <laughs> I started watching The Wire. <laughs> Carsetti, he <laughs> is the man. Like, even even with shit lines, even with shit dialogue, even with shit everything, he's still able to, you know, take command of the entire scene. And the whole thing with the Boltons, like, he didn't know that Ramsay was a monster. Yeah, that was just a, that was just a yeah, that was an honest mistake. That, like, like Ramsay was not even a big player enough for anybody to take notice of him. Like, nobody really knew who he was or what he was. Like, Joffrey, yeah. everybody knew Joffrey was a monster because he's a fucking prince. Like, you can't avoid that asshole. But the bastard of okay, the Dreadfort? L- let me let me ask you, let me ask you if, if they had ended the scene like this, if you would have liked it. What if, at the end, Baelish says, I demand trial by battle. And then they choose Arya to fight him. And the two battle. And it turns out, Littlefinger's like a badass. <laughs> and he's like... And they have this like awesome rapid fight, and then Arya wins. 
Would you have liked that more? <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't like my... He's my. The reason he's my favorite character is because I love the characters who don't need to be the strongest physically to win. They need to be mm. the strongest mentally to win. And there's no possible way some random knight with a great sword could start a war between dozens of houses. Someone with a sharp yeah. mind has to do that. Someone who's the planner, who's the schemer. And that's who. That's why I love mm. him. Would I like for him to fight Arya in close comp? No, f- fucking of course not. That would be so... I would think... The way I would end it was was them getting him on, on Betraying Ned. That's the only charge that sticks. Yeah. And so, because they can't back Cer- up Cersei's claims of Peter being a traitor, they can't talk to Varys or the Hound to back it up, I would rather them get Peter on conspiracy to murder Jon Arryn and betraying Ned Stark. He is only able to survive the betrayal charge because of his argument of needing to survive Joffrey's regime. Okay, fine, whatever. I would have Sansa sentence him to exile. He is no longer allowed to return to the North and must walk out of Winterfell right now with everything he has on and must leave the region. He can go anywhere he wants, wherever he wants, but he must leave the North and never return. And this is like basically a death sentence. Winter is here, the North is huge, and it would take a normal person weeks, if not a month, to successfully leave the territory on horseback. He'd basically die of starvation, exposed to the elements, and he'd die alone. That would be interesting, and I mean, it would be it would be interesting to like have the last scene him walk him walking out into the snow, like, uh, clearly, uh, you know, clearly off to his death. But then there's like the sliver of doubt that maybe he'll make it. Yeah. And then, so if they want to bring him out, they want to bring mm-hmm. him back for season eight. He's all of a sudden at Euron's side. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I would have him just walking like towards the woods, and you don't you're like. Is he gonna die? And and they and they leave it. Yeah. That, we we discussed this for like our uh, like the Patreon exclusives, like how Roose Bolton's death should have been. Like I don't think he should have been stabbed by Ramsay. Mm. Like I honestly think they should have left his death like completely ambiguous. Like wouldn't what, what did you say? Like how you thought it was his death is gonna be in the books? How like everybody's been fucking around with the, the structure of Winterfell and how you think he might die with like the, oh, yeah. everything crumbling around him. I think that maybe the, maybe the roof, the, the roof of, of the great hall might mm-hmm. collapse and, and destroy and kill all the Lords. And we're being a dead horse the, at this point with it by, by saying yeah. this, but Arya and Sansa, Sansa has been okay for the first couple episodes. She was great. We finally got what we wanted from her, which was Northern politics. You know, she was going up against John's stupid bullshit and, uh, yeah, it was great. But Arya, ever since Arya came back, I just wasn't feeling her. I just, just didn't care. Yeah, I mean her char- her character's just been all over the place. It's hard to it's hard to connect with her. She goes from she get you know she goes from sweet sister that you're supposed to be you know supposed to say oh it's so great that she's back to to fidgeting around to confident cocky um, you know fighting Brienne or in that in that trial mm-hmm. scene we haven't had any, anything consistent from her. It's hard to relate to somebody who who just shifts through their personalities right. so quickly. By the way, because you're such a Littlefinger fan, I mean, what's what's fascinating is that George R. R. Martin, in he's written so many different Littlefingers over the course of his career. He loves having a Littlefinger character, um, and so when you pick up another piece of his work, there's always going to be another Littlefinger slash Vary slash Doran Martell character. This this grand schemer who's not doing things physically, but is doing things mentally. He loves that. He loves those characters. Um, so it's pretty, it's pretty fun to, uh, 
to have them. Like Dying of the Light has one that's very, very similar to to Littlefinger, who's kind of planned everything from the from the he's caused all of the conflicts, and um, you know, and uh, and at the end you realize that everything was his fault, just like in Ice and Fire. I think a lot of a lot of great shows always have that like amazing character who who's planned everything out and is like the mastermind behind a lot of things. Like you've seen Breaking Bad before, right? In Breaking yeah, yeah, Bad, yeah. I guess it would be Gus Fring. Yeah, uh-huh. and um, oh fuck, there's another show I'm, I'm thinking about, but I can't really, I can't really put my finger on it right now. But there, are a lot of a lot of those shows have like that Littlefinger schemer, and Littlefinger has also become a staple of Game of Thrones. I mean, when you think of Game of Thrones, you think of yeah, of course, John, Mother of Dragons. But one of the things you also think about is that shady, like shit-eating grin guy with the porn mustache and you know he's just constantly skiing he has that like mr burns thing with his fingers excellent like you know he's constantly planning that's what you think about when you think of game of thrones those scheming things and it would have been really nice to see varis go up against them you know the two the two playing it out you know like that being the battle maybe i mean i guess sansa needed to defeat him but she did but at the same time it should have been Littlefinger and cersei versus varis and danny that yeah. would have made more sense. Littlefinger was working for Cersei uh, once he realized that he couldn't get Sansa at the end of season six. He had to get her by force, which was basically force her into a corner, into like coming into his arms, with Sansa realizing this and trying to stop him and trying to prevent the alliance between Danny and Jon from breaking apart due to Littlefinger's influence. Due to his, you know, him trying to drive a wedge between the Vale Lords and the Northern Lords. Because without the Vale, the North is kind of fucked. Yeah. So. Robin Aaron must be so confused right now. If, <laughs> if any letter, if any letters are coming back, he'd be like Uncle Peter. What? My cousin killed Uncle Peter. And, oh. You know what's even even so dumb too, and and you can tell this is not. Fr- you can tell this is a completely original, uh, Dave and Dan thing. The whole Stark theme has always been, pass the sentence, swing the sword. Oh yeah. Didn't happen here, did it? No. No, no. Okay. In fact, they even, what's weird, what's weird is at first I thought they forgot and then they, they have the closure scene at the end with Santa on the parapet and they mention the whole having the set, like passing the sentence thing. And I was like, oh, you brought it up and you didn't do it. Like you were aware of it. Ah, idiots. But that, that I I like your idea though, you know, like sending that was that was what I would want. Sending him into exile with the hope that he would, the hope, of course he would, walking everything, everything, all the clothes he has right now, like no jacket, nothing, no fur coat. Yeah. Walk outside the gates of Winterfell right now and leave the Northern Territory. The North is huge. He would freeze to death. But you're right though. Him walking away into the distance, into the trees, and like disappearing into the darkness, with the maybe maybe of a hint that he could survive. Maybe he's out there somewhere plotting his comeback. Who knows? Yeah. But I, I like that you said that. that that's that's fantastic. Um, and 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 to close and to close Winterfell up, you're exactly right. It took a boy with supernatural powers, the lack of a real trial, and Littlefinger not acting like Littlefinger to stop Littlefinger. Fucking yeah. pathetic. Fucking pathetic. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. I'm glad he's gone because this season he was absolutely awful, but he wasn't being himself. Okay, so let's get on to Dragonstone, and let's briefly get on to Dragonstone. Uh, Theon and Jon, I felt like they had nothing to say to each other. We've already had a scene with them. It was pointless. Yeah, I mean, it's odd because the scene... 
the one the scene was somewhat reminiscent of of Theon's scene in A Dance with Dragons where he's in the the um the crypts and he's talking about how he always wanted to be a Stark. But at the same time it kinda it contradicts earlier Game of Thrones. Season actually, two. Yeah, season two, which I loved, you know? So it's it was actually a book it was actually a show change I liked that they kind of undid. Like I I liked the fact that Theon didn't like the Starks and was and was and was insecure about the whole thing and you know and in the book they kind of have him it's more of a complaint like no they they treated him really great but you know I really liked what they did in season two and then they undid it and and they kind of they kind of went back to the to the book idea from A Dance with Dragons that he always actually wanted to be a Stark and he liked Ned so it's nah, I don't know there wasn't there wasn't much to it it was just kind of one of these motivational scenes. What are you still doing here? Gotta go rescue my sister. Well, they had John, of course. They have to give John the whole thing of being that guy that motivates everybody, you know? Yeah. I guess John was the whole, the catalyst for the Yara rescue. Like, he wasn't gonna do it before. Come on. Yeah, give Theon something to do. I mean, don't, don't make him too much of an asshole. Come on. I know, I know. And, and, and the whole thing with Theon and John, I feel like it was a missed opportunity. What they discussed, I really didn't care about. And it kind of, it really is a missed opportunity. Because, because they're both bastards, in a sense. Theon, not so yeah. much. But at this, but they both have a lot in common. And I felt like, you know, they could have had they some weren't, They weren't Starks. Mm-hmm. They weren't Starks being raised at Winterfell. Exactly. Um, yeah. And they were both competing for Rob's attention. So, I mean, they kind of have those two things. Um, that they're both they're competing for Rob's affections and they're they're both like the outsiders being raised as as sons. Yeah. And cat and Catalan and Catalan didn't like either of them. <laughs> so. <laughs> that cock shot though, when it goes out there to fight that Ironborn captain, that cock shot so so cringy. <laughs> Just I mean, I think that would still kinda hurt, probably, right? Yeah, of course it would hurt. If you're, if you're need need in the in the chode. <laughs> <laughs> And I get the point of it too. Like Theon's little discussion with John about the identity thing, it's like a low key nod about John being a Targaryen and how he'll have to like juggle with that. But we all know he'll ultimately not care about his Targaryen blood and consider himself a Stark through and through. So it's it's just whatever. Yeah, there, there's not much to say about it. It just kind of goes back to, you know, the cheapening of of post traumatic stress disorder. Mm-hmm. Like you can somehow you can somehow beat people out of it. The only the only thing you need to get over, you know, trauma is more trauma. That's right, you know. All right, well, let's get on to boat sex. Boat oh. sex was awful. We kind of spoke about it briefly with Tyrion, but he randomly goes in there. Why? Why does he just randomly go into the queen's quarters? Why doesn't she have guards posted outside her her her, her quarters? I mean. What? He knew he knew what he was he knew what he was gonna get. I don't know why she didn't have guards. You'd think she would have some guards. And they'd be this like, is something I noticed you didn't complain about. Why doesn't Danny have like Dothraki guards? Why? I mean, you're right that like from a strategic situation, like Jon Snow could just stab a killer right then and there, and then you'd be like, oh my god, that w- that would have been a twist. Oh my god, I would have gained respect for Game of Thrones right there. <laughs> imagine imagine the door opens up and they're looking at each other longingly and then he just stabs her <laughs> oh god well, that would have been that would have been the ending like what oh 
my god. They were in love. And then it, oh. Takes, takes out his knife, stabs her in the heart for the watch. For the Night King. I've been playing you guys the whole time. Oh, shit. I've been a white. I've been a white. I came back from the dead, remember? <laughs> oh, man. But Too yeah, good. we've spoken about this before. Boat sex wasn't earned. I really do miss Egret. It, it makes me, like, seeing them together makes me miss Egret. And the whole exposition thing, you're right, with Sam and Bran. Which, by the way, Sam never even stopped by Hornhill. That was never a thing. Oh, God. Yeah, I know. So rushed. This season was so rushed. We'll discuss it in our season fin- uh, final season review. But, um... Yeah. Like, the exposition thing. Like, what the fuck was up with uh, Rhaegar? He, he looked like... Exactly of so, the opposite of what we expected. No, right. I mean, he looked like he looked like Viserys, and they they were trying to make him look like Viserys quite a bit, and they made him way they made him really look like Viserys. Like, it, so the thing that frustrates me most about Bran, the Bran scene, is it was so much. It was it was fan service in this really weird way. Like, there is a group think on the internet about the love story between Rhaegar and Lyanna and that how and and how this is like a reveal that that there's breadcrumbs throughout the book like sh- like slowly revealing that this is a love story and I was like I don't know what book they're reading like it's the first thing they say that Rhaegar Rhaegar died for his love like that's the first story we're presented and throughout a game of thrones Rhaegar loved Lyanna is is in there several times from Danny's perspective. So like it's not any secret, but I've seen this uh this groupthink headcanon thing like out in the community for so many years. And so the fact that I'm seeing it in the show makes me think that like Dan and Dave didn't really read the book very carefully. They just they they went to the message boards and they like checked and they saw these people writing about how oh, it's you know the, the Rhaegar and Lyanna thing is a love story. Cause I don't know how you would, I don't know how you'd ever think that that's like a surprise reveal without, cause the only people, the only way you'd think that is if you went online and found that group think mistake, because it's just, it's so flatly in the book, like the first thing that Rhaegar loved Lyanna. And then next you're introduced to the idea, Oh, I, you know, Rhaegar raped Lyanna. Mm-hmm. And then there's this, the whole story is about, well, clearly there's two sides to this story. Um, you know, it's, it's no, but there's nothing, there's nothing to, there's nothing to discover this idea that, that Robert's rebellion was built on a lie and that, Oh, all of this time, like the, the secrets out, they were in love. I love, well, I love what you said about marriage in the show in, in regards oh, to God, Rhaegar yeah. and Lyanna, how Westeros takes marriage very seriously just look to season three's Red Wedding as an example. It's very subtle. You might have missed it. But... Yes. Yes. <laughs> Betrothals are a serious thing. And actually, I mean, they're so serious that Joffrey had to have, in the book, he had to have the High Septon dissolve his betrothal to Sansa. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's how serious it was. And he was actually reluctant about it. He had this whole scene in front of a court where he had to say, but I gave my word. And, and then people had to plead with him. No, no, the, you know, everything is fine. Okay, okay. It was, it was in season two as well, episode 10. Yeah, I, but it was just Picel, I think. Yeah. Pice, they gave the line to Picel. Treason but... is treason. That, that was his yeah. thing. 
And so, you know, it's it's not a little thing to say like, oh yeah, Robert would have Robert and his, and her dad and Brandon and Ned, they all would have been so cool with Liana running off for for love. Like, since when is marriage about love? Like, marriage has never been about love until the 20th century. <laughs> like, it's certainly not about love in Game of Thrones. You know, so it's for alliance purposes, of course. Exactly. So right. Family so alliance. so John was originally John Sand. That was his thing. <laughs> but but now it's Aegon Targaryen. <laughs> that also doesn't make sense. But every, John was always born in the South. Like no one ever thought. Like before, maybe he was, they thought he was born at Starfall, so he would have been. No, Starfall's in Dorne too. So if everybody thought he was born in Dorne originally, there's no there's. Uh, so it's not like oh he should be called John Sand. Like everybody thought he was born at Starfall. But but isn't it like where you're raised? It is where you're raised, or I think there's a choice. I, I'm sure you can just call yourself whatever. Or 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 does it go by the house of the father? I think it's just wherever you're raised. So like like, like if you're well. No, no, you're you're exactly have... right because like Rob, it's not it's Wait. not the 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 house of the father. You'd be a bastard from his region from because Robert Maya Stone Stone. Right, we have Ma- we have Maya Stone, but we have Edric Storm. Right. So, yeah. calling him Aegon, did he take the Aegon plot from the books? No, right. <sighs> Who knows what that's about? My God. Hey. I'm Rainey's. This is my brother Aegon. This is my other brother Aegon. Why the you ever f- see you ever see, you ever see Newhart? I have not. Oh God! You you need to. Uh, there's this uh, there's this um, old show with Bob Newhart where he's he he runs a bed and breakfast in New England, and then there are these there are these these three guys who come in every once in a while, and one's named Larry, and he's got his brother Daryl and his other brother Daryl, and it became this like running joke. So, but Rainey's my brother Aegon, my other brother Aegon. But the whole, but why would Liana name, like, that doesn't make any sense. That's the one thing everybody's asking. Why is Liana naming John after uh, Rhaegar's other son? I don't get it. I guess some people were arguing that maybe um, because Aegon died, that she would be all of a sudden okay with naming But him. how would she know that Aegon died? <laughs> that's, that's a good question. I mean, I mean, she's I at the Tower know. of Joy when the Lannisters uh, take the Red Keep. So, and when as soon as they take the Red Keep, the mountain crushes Aegon's head. So, someone's gonna go out of their way. Nobody knew. I don't even think any. Did anybody even know they were at the Tower of Joy? Like, how did Ned find out they were at the Tower of Joy? Do you remember? That's a big mystery. No one knows. Exactly. You think Varys told him? We. I mean, we have no idea. I mean, it could just be that, like, you know that. That was his favorite place, and everybody knew. But I, I, we have no clue. We have no clue how we found the tower. How like, um, all we know is he went to Storm's End, and then he went to the Tower of Joy. Mm-hmm. We don't know. We don't know if he had an army behind him. We don't know if uh, we kind of you know what's it, what's in that area. You know what the tower is for. Is it for stopping Reacher? Attacks, you know, we we have no idea what uh, anything about it. The, like someone was saying, well, maybe she got a message that Aegon was dead, giving her the okay to name John Aegon. Well, no, but like, how would she get the Raven? And why would the Raven specifically come to say that, hey, by the way, Aegon's dead? I, I don't, I don't. 
Forget it. Forget it. It doesn't, it doesn't make any sense. It just doesn't. Right. Or like if, if it's a marriage for love, why is she interested in the prophecy? You know, like, okay, let's say she's on board with the prophecy. Wait, is the prophecy like, even a it. thing in the, in the show? No. Prophecy is not even a thing in the show. No. But let's say that, let's say it is a thing. Mm. Uh, <laughs> I mean, she, she's on, like, she's on board with the prophecy and she's in love with Rhaegar. Like, yeah, there's no reason for her to name Aegon. I don't know, man. Talking to you, you're making me hate the episode. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I, I still liked it. I thought the episode was fine. I especially liked the last part, the Night King invading. Uh, we discussed mm. this before when we covered the the first episode of the podcast was discussing season seven leaks. And I remember you saying how fucking dumb it was that the, a dead dragon can breathe blue flame and how cliche it was. But at the same time, fuck it, whatever. 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 It's butane. It's butane. Fuck it. Was Gendry at Eastwatch, by the way? Uh... I, we didn't see him, so I mean he might have been. But like I said, I think they want to have Gendry meet Arya one more time mm-hmm. before before he dies. So I think they're just like, well, we can kill off Tormund and and uh, and, and Barry. I don't, I don't. I don't want. I don't. I don't think Gendry will die. I think what will happen is they'll get all the representatives from all the other regions: Robin Aaron, Edmure Tully, Gendry, I guess, um, Alaria if she's still somehow alive and not mentally destroyed. Like they'll get all the people who. Uh, they get all, everybody who you know owns whatever. Maybe instead of maybe Jon Snow dies and they, it's Sansa there instead back in King's Landing, and they all decide to just you know Tyrion just the Western lands. Yeah, yeah. And they all decide to vote for for Danny as queen. That's the democracy that's breaking the wheel. Oh right, yeah. I suppose that could happen. So what did you like about the episode? Let's let's close this up. What did you like about the episode? Um, yeah. Yeah, I liked I liked the the dragon, even though exploding uh, wall is kind of weird. I, it was still <laughs> the atomic still Godzilla cool. breath. It was still fine. I liked the scene between between Cersei and Tyrion. Um, there was some good dynamic there. Um, the uh, yeah, I mean, I liked the Hound for some reason, even though it was drawn out. Um, I guess I liked it, you know, him being there and, and being and facing the mountain and um, I'm trying to think of anything else. I mean, I, I liked the brief exchange between Beric and Tormund. I guess I want, I want, I would have liked actually seeing more of their life at the wall. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. I guess that's uh that's, that's a, that's about it. What did you think of the the humor, the jokes with Sam? Do you think do you think that the that that the humor like do you think that Sam is a comic actor? Do you think it works? Huh. I don't even know the, the actor's name, but is is he the comedic character because he's the fat oaf or is he a comedic character because he's funny? But they they do keep doing those things like him showing up at the him showing up at the Citadel and putting on that face, that comic face. In this case, it was like, you know, I'm the three-eyed, I'm the three-eyed raven. And he's like, I don't know what that means, you know. And then, <laughs> I like that. And then he's like, he's like, John and John is coming, and he's like, did you see it in a vision? And he holds up the letter, and you're like, okay, you know, they're trying those jokes. Mm-hmm. I guess I get, you know, I guess it was okay. I well, well, is, <laughs> no, is it because no. the actor is funny, or is it because like he's the fat oaf, and we need someone to be that guy? They try to make him funny. I think they try to make him. We need someone to be like the Kelso of the group. You know that's any show. Yeah, we need someone to be the Kelso of the group. Like, I mean, eh. 
They certainly they certainly started it. I mean, I guess the first comedy scene was him vomiting in the bucket with Gilly, and then he's supposed to be funny when dealing with um, when he first arrives at the Citadel, and I suppose he's supposed to be funny when he when he's yelling at Gilly about her um, her seven hundred and eighty five shits or whatever. Um, I liked Euron, and I liked the final twist. I liked Cersei. And Jamie at the end. That's something we didn't speak about. Uh, Let's talk about that real yeah. quick. Yeah. Yeah, no, I like I liked I liked how even though it didn't quite make sense, I liked how, oh no, actually Euron is not uh gone. Actually I do have the Golden Company. Um you know, I thought that that Lena Headey really played that scene well and, and uh it worked out. I mean it's funny because both Jamie and Cersei were making sense. Like like, what's why should I even go? Our army isn't going to make a difference. And then Jamie's making sense, like, well, we have to go because no matter who wins, they're going to come back and kill us if we don't. And both of those arguments did work. And I, I so I, some people, some people were criticizing either of their, their logic. I think both of their logics are sound. It's just, uh, and I thought, I thought that scene uh, came off pretty well, actually. I fuck, I love, someone said to me, like, like, Jamie is dumb. Like, what do you mean? He's been sticking by her and her bullshit for the longest time, and this is where he draws the line. <laughs> this is it. Straw that breaks the camel's back. Jesus. Yeah. All right, Preston, uh, do you want to wrap this up? Yeah, sure. Um, and then, uh, do you do you have anything else? I think we, we've uh, we've covered everything pretty thoroughly. Yeah, I mean, we're gonna we're gonna keep. Uh, for, by the way, for those of you guys wondering, yes, we are going to do Game of Th- the Game of Thrones podcast in the off season. Uh, we're, we're probably gonna do a little less, maybe two, maybe three podcasts a month. What do you think, Preston? Yeah, yeah. Something like that? Every, every other week rather than every week. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, um, cause I know you're busy and you're going to, where are you going, Madagascar, where are you going again? <laughs> well, I'll be in Jordan, I'll be in Jordan starting on Saturday. Don't fucking tell people you're um, going per se, like, well, like, like the dates, like, what, what are you, crazy? Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> hey, well, if you want to schedule your own fan meetup in Jordan, go, go right ahead. <laughs> and then uh yeah then I'll, I'll i'll be i'll be in uh i'll be in the, the war zone and uh for uh for a couple of weeks after are you, ta- but are you be- taking your microphone in the war zone i am i am the thing is, is I, there's only certain videos i can release on my on my laptop and there's only certain videos i can that you know that i can do on my, my on my desktop so mm-hmm. you know I'll, I'll be releasing videos but but not not as frequently so It'll be, uh, but they'll be, they'll be coming out. All right. And do you have any videos you plan on releasing soon besides your, the Russians hacked the Night's Watch election video? Um, well, I'm, I'm going to be releasing a, well, but by, by the time this comes out, it will, we'll released it. I, I'm, I'm releasing a video about the, a short video about, um, how I'm, I'm trying to write a book. And so I'm trying to have people, uh read read my shit and, and, and see uh see what they say. I think it's easier for you to release your book and get people to read it than it was when George Martin not 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 George Martin. Maybe like mo- most authors because you already have a, a fan base, you already have a following, so maybe maybe yeah, we'll people see. will uh want to see what's inside the mind of Preston Jacobs. Yeah, maybe they'll be curious. Yeah. All right. Uh so let's wrap this up guys. Once again, thank you so much for joining us. As always, we're available on SoundCloud and iTunes, so check us out there. Follow either myself or Preston on Twitter for all updates on the next episode of the podcast. Be sure to leave your thoughts down below, and we may cover them in a future episode. But once again, thank you so much for watching, and we'll see you all next time. Have a good one.